This is your brother James, and this is the podcast, Easy Sex is Not Clean, and Clean Sex is Not Easy. Today is our part two of If I Had a Son series. Um, so if I had a son, I'm going to start this off, okay? If I had a son series, part two. My goal for this is to bring peace to you, your wife or your husband, and your children. It starts with the scripture memory. So if you go back to where we did 1 Corinthians 6, I went verse by verse, emphasizing every single word in each one. By the end, you memorize it by accident. Usually, you might have to read it a few more times, right? But that, this is where it starts, okay? When, uh, when you have a lustful thought, you have about 5 to 10 seconds, right? Any thought. Uh, it could be an anxiety thought. I'm using lust because my podcast is titled Sex, and that's the easiest way to to describe it, especially for a male. But it could be anxiety. It could be doubt, remorse, uh, anything that is not of God. Okay, You have about five to ten seconds to deal with it, or you perseverate on it, and then you fall into a hole, or you uh, get stuck, or you let it develop into more than a thought. That's where James 1 comes in. James 1 states that um, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Now, let no one say when he is tempted, God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor can God tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. And when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. So the death is what we want to not get to so you have to take the thought captive at the beginning when it is a desire and not quite a developed thought yet so you do you got to stop it right there now when i say five to ten seconds i use uh john piper uses five seconds as his as his uh uh point of like time how much time you need i use 15 however it's probably less than 15 and you probably have a little bit more than five. So it's like five to 10 seconds. Okay. Um, anyway, so the, the war ends when you memorize your first chapter of scripture, the war ends. I'm telling you right now, you will find peace. You memorize a full, you have a thought, you recite first Corinthians six in your head, the thoughts gone and you don't know what happened to it. You will understand then why you do it. And then you won't stop. And I just encourage you to do that. And that's where it starts. So I'm just going to start the whole thing off like that. It's a brutal fight to memorize the first chapter. It's brutal. And I'll tell you what, I slipped up a few times memorizing my first chapter of scripture. Quite a few times, actually. So it, it it's not, and, and it doesn't mean you won't slip up. But guess what? We have Jesus Christ, who is our mediary between God and man, and he covers our sin. So when you accept Christ, you don't have to live in condemnation because there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. So just keep that in mind when this happens. You may slip up during your first, memorizing your first chapter because it is hard and your flesh flares up big time. So please be aware of that. Um, So I want to start off. There's three points I want to make today. First one, teach your kids to surround themselves with people who work harder than them. And that could be for you too. Uh, understanding generational differences and teach your kids what tough love is. Teach your son what tough love is. Okay. Um, so those are my three points today. So I'm going to start off. Surround yourself with people who work harder than you. So my first story, I'm going to, I was eight years old. 
I met a, I had a friend down the street. His name uh, was Joe. Let's call him Joe. Okay. I don't want to use his real name. Lived down the street. He had an older brother. His name was Jerry. Okay. So Joe and Jerry lived down the street. They're really cool guys, right? I'm, they're, they're a lot older than me. They're like four, uh, uh, Joe's like four years older than me. His brother's like six years older than me. Uh, brother was in high school. He was like in uh, fifth or sixth grade. Uh, I'm hanging out with them. They're it's freaking awesome. It's great. We're like doing all the we're into all the same stuff. We play hide and go seek. We play army on the street, whatever. And um, what happens is uh, one day his brother comes home with a bag he found on the side of the street. The bag was full of uh, porn videos, and he invites me over to come watch it. And I go over. We watch it, and my life changed big time from that point on. Now I didn't know Christ at the time. I eventually this eventually led me to meet Christ. So, um, the point is, is, is we want to teach our kids how to choose the people they spend their time with, even at the age of eight, you're like, well, how do you teach your eight year old son to surround himself with kids that are that work harder than him? Well, identify the attributes of someone that works hard. And you can help him identify it even in school, even like going to school, you can help him identify these people. You might want to keep them out of a higher age group as well. You might just want to like go ahead and and, and realize kids do not know. If there's a kid five years older than him, he probably shouldn't be hanging out with him. And I'm not saying that because that's wrong, you know, in 20 years, it won't matter. But for now, probably not a good idea because of what I just said. Now. Um, <clears throat> don't want to freak you out, but it's something to think about, okay? Teach your child how how to identify hardworking people in the classroom, right? Somebody who's, you know, creating a lot of problems in the classroom, you, you can ask them, oh, so-and-so was like getting mad at the teacher. Well, that's someone you need to identify to your child because they don't know that you shouldn't be spending time with that person or, you know, pointing out the fact like do you want these kinds of do you want this kind of attention you know ask them the question do you want this kind of attention that so and so is creating you know who's a kid that you see that is quiet and you can you know go spend time with and you don't feel like you're drawing a ton of attention to yourself now then there's certain kids who need the attention right i was the type of kid who wanted attention i think and it was easy to get close to kids who also wanted attention, right? So it, you also have to be the parent and realize, you know, what kind of, who's your kid, you know, what kind of kid do they have? Anyway, I don't want to give too much parenting advice, but because I'm not a parent, so I, I shouldn't be doing that. But I do believe that you as a person want to surround yourself with people that work harder than you. Most of my friends work harder than me. And it's because, you know, it humbles you. It keeps you in a state of, I need to continue to grow or I need to continue to do things so that way I can become a better person, you know, whatever, however you want to look at it. Um, you know, also knowing Christ helps me, you know, choose the people in my life that I want to keep around. So that's the first part. Uh, number two, understand generational differences. Now, this one is very important, okay? Um, we have a tendency to compare generations. Your parents did this, parents before them did this. And just to give you an example, the dad who says, oh, we had it much harder than you. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. You need to understand 
the differences of generations, and there really isn't much of a difference. Even though they look different, there isn't much of a difference. So please be aware of the differences. So we don't want to teach our kids to ignore the past by making you out to be better than them. Don't do that. That's a bad, bad thing to do, you know. And then, you know, the father that compares their child's soft upbringing to their much more superior toil and strife that created them. Please be aware that that is what separates your relationship with your child. It does not create uh, any sort of um, empathetic state or place where they can come and talk to you about anything. Because, you know, Christ's relationship with us, he develops relationship, he develops the relationship with us and meets us where we're at. That's what we need to do with the kids, right? With our kids. Um, and the difference between the baby boomers and or generation um, generation X and the millennials, however you want to look at it, is people born, you know, somewhere in the 60s to the 80s, right? They were told to do something and they would just do it. They didn't ask questions. That's how they were taught. We, however, are, we need to see results before, you know, we have to, when we start something, we have to see results early to continue or else it's a waste of our time. And if you're somebody who's a millennial, you understand. If you're somebody who's pre-millennial, pre you know, generationally, you understand. And though they are totally different, they still are the same because they need each other. You need to have the perseverance to start something and finish it, but you also need to know that what you're doing has results at the end. And this requires communication. And when you cut off communication by saying that the way you were, you know, you're soft and I'm not, and you might not say it exactly like that, but you might say it in another way. You might be thinking it one way and it comes out. You, it, the, when you think something, when something's in your heart, it will come out. And it doesn't have to be exactly how I said it. It doesn't have to be uh, you're soft and I'm not. But essentially, that's what you're saying with whatever you've identified as that thing that you said. Okay. So we do need to trust the process. But we also need to know that the results are at the end. Communication is the key. Explain to your kids why you invest. Explain to your kids why you don't um, involve yourself with older, you know, with older children because they're a little bit more developed and they have things that are just beyond your, your, your kids need to develop with kids their age. And this is something that I'm learning from my personal experience. I spent a lot of time with older people and, you know, I think that it led, you know, it led me to more mature topics earlier on, you know, and I'm not saying like, I, I'm not grateful for having those experiences to be where I'm at right now talking to you, but I would just hope that your kids can avoid that, you know, can avoid a lot of problems, a lot of like deep thoughts and things that are just like consuming you day after day and you're miserable and you're not at peace because you're just, you're, you're in bondage to the, to this. You don't want your kids in bondage the way we were. You don't want uh, things to just, persevere in their minds the way we used to have them persever, persever, you know, 
And uh, I just hope that doing this, doing this podcast will help, you know, set the foundation, at least give you an idea that the things that we did, unless we address them, they will affect our kids. And the next thing, teach them what tough love really is. Now, this is a hard one because you hear the term tough love all the time. You hear it, you know, and I hear it from an older, gen- mostly older generation. I hear tough love. Oh, you got to give them tough love. What the, what the hell does that mean? Right. What does it mean? I don't know what it means. I don't know. But what I can tell you is that when I have loved somebody, I work with kids with, with, uh, with disabilities. And it's like, I love loving people who people don't like to love. And I really think that that is something we got to do. And when it's hard to love somebody is to me what tough love is. Now, tough love could be being tough on somebody, but I don't believe that it it's that. I, I say that's like 15% of the time and 85% of the time is loving somebody when it's hard to love them. Now, there is a line that needs to be drawn, right? When somebody uh, breaks your trust multiple times, you have to cut them off. So I'm not saying that you need to keep loving that person. But when you see progress in somebody, especially if it's a kid, you need to love them, continue to love them. And that is good. And, um, you know, cause there's going to be times in your life, whether it's with your spouse or whatever, or your kids where you're going to have to love, you need to love them through whatever they're going through. Now, um, I have a quote, which, well, it's, it's more than a quote. I, want to describe what it's like, you know, having, having your wife after years, right. I'm, I'm picturing this now. I don't know this yet. I've only been married like, like seven months. So this isn't something that, uh, I know for sure, but I know at some point it's going to be hard to love my spouse, but I have to keep loving her and I have to tell her how great she is and just take her out on a date when it's, you know, when I don't want to, and I got to love her and show her, how amazing she is and all the things that she does. And guess what? And if I keep, and I tell her how beautiful she is and I write her, you know, little notes and love letters, she will not feel insecure. And you know what she'll do? She'll have, she'll let her mind will not be worried about what I'm thinking, but what she can do to improve our life. Cause that's what she's there for. Your wife is there to improve your life. If you pour into her and make her love you, because there's a lot of men who blame their wives for everything that, you know, everything you know, and, and they're just, what they're doing is, is not realizing that their wife is a reflection of them and they should be blaming themselves because when you do that, your wife just continuously thinks about herself too much. She's thinking, and she falls deeper and deeper into a spiral where she is, doesn't feel worthy, doesn't feel wanted, doesn't feel, and guess what? Your, your, your life does get worse and it's not her fault. It's your fault for not building her up. and. I think that is a uh, an example of tough love, and that'll happen to you know everybody who's married, or you have kids. It's the same thing. You have kids, and you got to realize that Jesus Christ was greater than the most moral person on earth. So it's like, what is the purpose of doing this? You can't do it. That's the purpose. Jesus can do it through you. That's why you accept Jesus into your life, because He can do it. You can't.
And that's the important part of the whole thing. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it all back right there to Jesus. And I want everybody to know that Jesus is the ultimate purpose of the, of anything that we do in this life. And in the end, you know, we'll be rewarded for the things that we didn't do. So just be aware of that. It's not something that we did. It's what Christ did through us. And um, I just love that. I love that because then it's, you know, just it's just a big weight lifted off your shoulders. You know, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my, I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, Jesus said, Matthew 11, last three verses. So um, I just, I'm going to close with that and I'm going to just summarize what I went over. So again, intro, my goal is to bring peace to you and your family. And it starts with scripture memory. Then uh, topic one was surround yourself with people who work harder than you. Number two, understand generational differences. And number three, teach your kids what tough love is. However you see it, however you were taught may have not been correct, right? Um, anyway, this is your brother James, and this was Easy Sex is Not Clean and Clean Sex is Not Easy. Thank you for joining us.